You're listening to the Passion City Church DC podcast. To learn more about Passion City Church, including our gathering times in Atlanta and Washington, D.C., visit us online at passioncitychurch.com. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Acts. And I love the book of Acts. It's a book of action. So how are you going to kick off a series speaking about revival um, without going to the book of action? And that's what this is all about. And I know that we have all been in incredible times. 2020, the last time I was in Atlanta, uh, it was in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And I spoke on the 1st of January, 2020, along with a, a whole host of great speakers and worship leaders at the Passion Conference. I've been a part of that since 2012. And so that's why I feel very woven into the fabric of this house. But it was a little bit of a different environment then. Um, it was, the arena was full of people. What I love about this is I've always wanted to come to your house. And so I'm in your house right now. Whether you are watching me on the treadmill, some of of you are making a very late breakfast, lunch, going into afternoon tea. It depends uh, where you are right now. And um, some of you are still in bed, wiping that sleepy dust out of your eyes, having a cup of tea, whatever it is, this is what I do want to say to you. I'm just so glad that you've logged in. And I know that the Lord has a word for you. He's going to speak to us because He always does speak to us through His Word. Every time we open this Word, it's living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. So we can expect to receive from God because we're going to the Word of God. And I, I love that about this house, um, such a high, high value on the power of the Word of God to transform our lives. So I want you to go with me to the book of Acts chapter 27. Let me just set a little bit of a precedent. You're going to see me put my glasses on and off a lot. I'm in your home and this is the way that it goes, is that I keep asking my eyes like Moses that my eyes would not grow dim, but it just has not happened yet. So they're growing dim every time I go to read the little words in the Bible. Pastor Louis, your pastor just said to me in a very encouraging way, Christine, maybe you're going to need to get a Bible with bigger letters in it. And that is not what any woman my age wants to hear, but I'm just putting that out there for nothing. Well, Paul, obviously he what he had done just before we're going to pick up the text in Acts 27. He was in Jerusalem. There were a few believers in Jerusalem. He had received an offering. They, there was a lot of poverty. They lacked and he was bringing that back to them. Now he was under house arrest for a couple of years here in Caesarea because, um, and what he had done at this point, his whole goal Paul's goal was to end up in Rome. He wanted to be before the Caesar where he had the opportunity to tell him about the Lord Jesus Christ, the power of the resurrection of Jesus, the fact that the kingdom of God had come in Jesus. He wanted to declare and proclaim the gospel of Jesus. And of course, doing that in the major city, the epicenter of the Roman Empire would be so important because we know that, you know, there was all of the road networks and so many uh, transportation and communication networks that came out of there. And often, every time we see that the word of God's going to go forth in power, it's going to go into new places and do things perhaps it hasn't done. We always see it on the edge of new technological advancement, uh, whether it's in through transportation or communication. And that's what was going to happen here. So he wanted to go to Rome. He had it in his heart. We read it. Um, he wanted to go to Rome. So his mind was set on Rome. His heart was set on Rome. He was just waiting and he, he saw this great opportunity to say, hang on a minute, I'm a Roman citizen. If I'm going to go to trial here, I want to go and be tried by the Caesar in Rome 
that's what I'm going to go and do. And he had this great plan that he knew that if he could get there, the Gospel had a greater chance of getting out to the maximum number of people. So he's feeling like he's on course with his purpose. He's on course with his destiny. He knows what God has called him to do. Now, a lot of us, we have that sense that God has a plan and a purpose for our life. And we have this course. We have this way that we think God is going to do something. Very often we have our plan, but often the Lord is going to interrupt our plan to put us on track with His purpose. Often what we're going to see from the text is that God knocks us off course to get us on the right path. A lot of us in 2020, we feel like we've been knocked off course. We are wondering what is happening. When I spoke that word at Passion Conference on the 1st of January 2020, I was not thinking when I'm back here in July, it was going to look like this. I haven't had been on the course that I thought I would be on between January and July 2020. But the thing that I've discovered, even though I wasn't on my course, I've been on God's path. You might feel like you weren't on your course, but you are on God's path. And we're going to see that right here in the book of Acts, chapter 27 and 28. I'm telling you, you are blessed this morning that I'm both Greek and a woman because I only speak three ways, hard, fast and continuously. For all of you who have fallen behind your Bible reading plan in a year, I'm about to catch you up right now. You are gonna be so grateful that you logged on today because you're gonna catch up in your Bible reading plan. So the Bible says, and when it was decided that we should sail for Italy. So that is what is happening. Finally, Paul is gonna go from Jerusalem to Italy. Now, Pastor Louis Giglio got very excited when I said this because he thinks everyone wants to go to Italy. Now I'm from Greece. And so I'm more predisposed that everyone would want to go to Greece. And of course, we know that all of the words are Greek. Give me a word, any word, like Imono for all my big fat Greek wedding friends. So it says, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. And embarking in a ship, of Adramitium, which was about to sail to the ports along the coast of Asia, we put to sea, accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. And of course, I get excited seeing that. For, for those of you that know, A21 is part of our global end movement. And I'm excited because we are, we are very serious about uh, uh, seeing slavery abolished all around the world. And end it's uh, been at the forefront of so much of that. Now, the one thing that doesn't stop during a global pandemic church is injustice, I'll tell you that much. And you know, uh, human trafficking has been rampant in this season. And we have seen incredible things happen just during this season. 91 people have been rescued and come into our care during this season, which is just um, inexplicable. It really, I give glory to God because in the natural, you would not think that that is possible in this season, um, but it has happened. And some of those have come right there in Thessaloniki. So the next day we put in at Sidon and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him leave to go to his friends and be cared for. That's how much favour Paul had. I mean, he's a prisoner. And the guard that's overseeing him, the centurion, treated him kindly, the Bible says, and let him go to be taking care of his friends. The favour of God will often make people who shouldn't even like you, like you. And they will give you opportunities. It's just the way that it works. That's what happened here. And putting out to sea from there, we sailed under the lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. So of course, now the ship is going very close to the coastline in Cyprus because the winds are very, very strong. It goes on and it says, And when we had sailed across the open sea along the coast of Silica and Pamphylia, we came to Myra in Lycia. 
Then the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing for Italy and put us on board. I mean, this is a, aren't you glad nowadays if we just want to go to Italy, we just jump on that Delta Airlines plane and we just get to Rome. But Paul had to take a very difficult way through. So he gets on. Now this still could look good because you're thinking many of you, you're watching this this morning and you're going, oh, to be on the Mediterranean. Oh, to be on a ship that was going to Italy. Oh, to be on a ship from Cyprus to Italy. And you know, I've been to that region of the world so much. And some of you right now, you're imagining a beautiful Mediterranean yacht. You're thinking that we're about, Paul's gonna go and he's gonna stop at a taverna and have some fish right there in Santorini. You think he might go via Mykonos. He might go to a couple of other islands, maybe come up through the Amalfi Coast and go to Positino and come round and then end up somehow in Rome. But I want you to know, Oftentimes, that's the path that we think that God's gonna have for us. We think it's gonna be awesome. Lord, You said I'm going to Rome. It's gonna be wonderful. I'm gonna be on a yacht. I'm gonna end up in Santorini. I'm gonna go to Positano. I might even whip around to Portofino and then duck into Rome and I'm gonna fulfil the purpose of God. And the seas are gonna be smooth and everything's gonna be wonderful and the food is gonna be fantastic because I'm in the will of God. It must all be going smoothly and beautifully. The weather will be great. The sun will be great. I mean, Paul could have been thinking this. He could have been thinking, well, I was just in Jerusalem. I've been under house arrest for a while here. You know, I have been persecuted for the sake of the Gospel. Maybe God's gonna cut me some slack now as I'm going to my purpose in Rome. But he's on a ship now and he ends up on a ship from Alexandria that's going to take him to Rome. And as the Bible goes on, and it says, we sailed slowly for a number of days and arrived with difficulty off Snidus as the wind did not allow us to go further. We sailed under the lee of Crete off Salmon. Coasting along it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near which was the city of Lasia. So Paul said, here we are. And of course, Luke is writing this. Luke's with him and saying, we sailed, but it was with difficulty. We sailed and it goes on again and repeats that. And there was increasing difficulty. So here they are on their route to do the will of God, but it's difficult. The winds are against them. The conditions are not perfect. It doesn't seem awesome. He goes on and says, since much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous. So now we haven't just gone from difficult to difficulty. We've now entered the dangerous realm. Does this sound like 2020 to anybody besides me? that we started this year. I remember starting this year, the first message I had for the year was we're gonna dig some wells. I was not thinking it was gonna be this difficult. I was not thinking by the time we got to March, April, May, June, I'm going to face more difficulty. I did not think by the time I was gonna get to July that it might even be dangerous. So right here, Paul's on route with purpose and that purpose is surrounded by difficult, difficulty and danger. He's still in the will of God. He's still in the purpose of God, but the trip to his destination doesn't look like he thought it was gonna look. It doesn't seem to be like he thought it was going to be. So we go on, he's now hit dangerous because 
Even the fast was already over. So by this, we know this is after the Day of Atonement. We now know we're going into winter. Now I've been in the Mediterranean. I've been in a boat on the Mediterranean during the winter months. That's not when you wanna go. If you wanna go and visit the Greek islands, please go somewhere during the summer because when it starts getting into the winter, the winds come, the waves come. I mean, this one particular time, Nick and I were there, it was horrific. We were on a boat with a bunch of people like we really thought the boat was gonna capsize. The waves were huge. The winds were so strong. People were literally throwing up. Where And I, I don't do throw up, but anyway, it was like all around us, people were just throwing up over the side of the boat. This time of the year, the winds in this region of the world are so, strong and so we're at that part of the year but it says since so much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous even to the fast was already over Paul advised them saying sirs I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss not only of the cargo and the ship but also of our lives but the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said which of course he would have done that because Paul planted churches and the other man ran ships. So that's who I would listen to. And it goes on, and because the harbour was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to put out to sea from there on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbour of Crete, facing both southwest and northwest and spend the winter there. Now, when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete close to the shore. But soon a tempestuous wind called the Northeaster struck down from the land. So now, now we're getting into cyclone conditions. Not only is it difficult, difficulty, dangerous, a cyclone has now turned up, that northeaster in that region of the world coming off the mountains in Crete into the ocean. I mean, we're talking a cyclone. So now the northeaster is there. And the Bible says it struck down from the land and when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. Some of us, as we've come into the year, have just had to give way to some certain things and just be driven along. There are some things that we have not been able to stop. There are some things that we have not been able to control. There are some things that we thought, okay, this, I think I've now got a grip on this and I think I know which way I'm gonna go. And then we've just had to go with it. There's not one person watching me in any nation across this earth that has not in some way, shape or form been impacted where some of this year, you're like, what on earth has been happening? I set out to sail in January and, Man, I came up against a lot of wind. There, there were a lot of waves. In fact, just when I thought it was gonna get calmer, it just got worse. A northeaster came, a cyclone came. It seems like wherever I turn, people are metaphorically speaking, throwing up left, right and centre. There seems to be chaos. There seems to be confusion. There seems to be storms. There seems to be winds. There seems to be waves. And I thought I was on track with purpose. I, I, I don't think I was doing anything out of the will of God. I don't think I committed any major sin. I don't think there was, a, how did I end up here in July, 2020? So many of us are asking that same question. So many of us are wondering, how did this happen? See, sometimes you'll set out to sail on route with your purpose. And before you know it, you're being dragged out by the wind, by the waves, by the storm. You didn't ask for the storm. You didn't do anything to deserve the storm. 
But in the sovereignty of life, the storm just came. So now they're being drawn out by the storm. And the Bible goes on and says, now when the south wind blew, I think we all went there. That's, we went past the, sorry, I'm, I'm catching you up because I'm reading ahead of myself here. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then fearing that they would run aground on the cities, they lowered the gear and thus were driven along. Since we were violently storm-tossed. I just want you to catch the imagery in this text. I mean, Luke is writing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He wants us to know as followers of Jesus, there's a lot of difficulty. There's a lot of danger. There is a violently, this boat was violently storm-tossed by the wind. There was no getting away around it. The image is very dramatic. It's very real. The Bible says they began the next day to jettison the cargo. Some of the things that they started with, they had to throw it overboard. Some of us, that's exactly how we're feeling as we get to July 2020. We're like, man, I thought this was essential. And so many things that we thought were essential, we're just like throwing overboard. It's like, you know what, this is, can't come with me. This cannot come with me. So they begin now, they've got the violent winds, they're violently storm-tossed, they're feeling nauseous, there's everything going on around them. Now they're throwing what they once considered essential items and for them, their cargo. These were cargo ships. This is how they made their money. They're throwing their economic provision overboard. Some of us come July, we're like, what has happened economically? What has happened in my whole life and things that I thought were coming with me have just now gone overboard. And he goes on. And the Scripture says to us that when neither, and we we keep going, and on the third day when they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands, now we're talking about their provision, their source of provision, we're throwing it overboard with our own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, neither sun nor stars, to you that might not be a big deal. Some of you living in major cities around the world, you haven't seen the stars for a lot of years. But let's just say here, if I'm in the middle of the Mediterranean and the sun and the stars haven't appeared for days. I mean, Paul did not have a GPS system. This was his navigation system. Knowing which way was east and which way was west was dependent on being able to see the sun. Where is it rising? Where is it setting? The stars and the moon were their navigation system. I wonder when it comes to July 2020, whether you've been wondering, where is the sun? Where is the stars? God, where are you? It is pitch black. All I feel is the wind. All I feel is the waves. I feel like I'm being violently storm-tossed and I'm looking to You for direction, God, but I cannot see it's pitch black. Anyone? It's exactly where Paul was. Pitch black. Seems like, God, where are You? You're not even guiding me anymore. I feel the storm. I feel sick and nauseous. I feel the wind and I can't even see or feel or sense God. Paul was right there. So many of us in that moment can give up and think, you know what, God, somehow you've left me. I got on the wrong ship. I was going to the wrong place. I thought it was You, Lord. I thought I was supposed to go to Rome. I thought I was doing all of the right thing, but here I am in the middle of this violent, violent storm. And I can't even see 
my way forward. Is that what it's going to be like, Lord, in August, September, October, November, December? And Paul's right there. It's pitch black and he still feels all of the turmoil of the storm. And so then the Bible goes on and says to us, since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, man, you should have listened to me. I always laugh, Paul is so humble. He's like, you know, I don't wanna tell you, I told you so, but you should have listened to me. And probably every wife that I know has at some stage or another, maybe perhaps once occasionally said that to her spouse. But anyway, so you should have listened to me. But he gets very tender. He says, men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now, I urge you to take heart for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship for this very night. There stood before me an angel of the Lord, of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. I just want you to pause here, church. In the midst of so much turmoil, Paul is feeling exactly what every one of the other 276 people on board is feeling. Paul is experiencing the exact same thing. He didn't get to bypass it. He felt the storm. He felt the wind. He felt the waves. He may have even felt nauseous. The reality of that was there for him. He could see the darkness just like everybody else. He was seeing, feeling and experiencing the exact same thing as everybody else, but his entire posture was different to everyone else. He did not freak out like all of the other 276 men on board. In the midst of it all, he said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take heart. Could you imagine church in the midst of what's going on? In a world full of chaos, a world full of division, a world full of pain, a global pandemic shutting down so much of the planet. If we as Christ followers, instead of freaking out like everybody else around us would be, hey, take heart. Not not because I'm awesome, but I wanna remind you, the God that I serve and the God that I worship, He is well in control. An angel of the Lord came and He said, you must stand before Caesar. You see, although Paul was not exempt from experiencing the storm, experiencing the wind, experiencing the waves, experiencing the darkness, experiencing the loss, experiencing the nausea, he wasn't exempt from any of that. But what he had in the midst of it was a word from God. The Lord had said to him, you must stand before Caesar. I wonder church, what is your you must this morning? What is the promise that God has given you? What is the must that is before you? Because I wanna remind you today, you don't need to focus on the storm and the wind and the waves and the darkness. If you have a must from God, what is your must? You must stand before Caesar. And so He reminds them in the midst of the darkness. He reminds them in the midst of the storm. I have a God that I serve. I have a God that I worship That doesn't mean I'm not gonna go through what you all go through, but how I go through it is entirely different. How I'm going through 2020 is entirely different to everybody else. Just because the world's going cray cray doesn't mean I have to. In the midst of the storm, in the midst of the darkness, I can hang on to the fact that the God that I worship, 
the God that I serve. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. And He who promised is faithful. And I might be tossed, violently tossed by the storm, but Jesus is this anchor that I have for my soul, both firm and secure. No matter what is changing around me, Jesus changes not. No matter what storm comes, Jesus doesn't change. Jesus is my safety. Jesus is my anchor. Jesus is who called me. And Jesus is who will be faithful to take me to the future that is called me to do. It always was Jesus. It always will be Jesus. It never was about the ship. It never was about the supplies on the ship. He never said you're going to get on a yacht in the Mediterranean and stop via Santorini and eat fish and have calm waters on the way. He didn't say easy weather will never leave you nor forsake you. He said I will never leave you nor forsake you. He didn't say your provision will never leave you for forsake you. He said I will never leave you nor forsake you. He didn't say other people will never leave you or forsake you. He said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. July 2020, I'm still with you. I'm still here. I didn't go anywhere. I know you've been storm tossed, but I'm still with you and I'm still in the midst of it. So it goes on. So take heart, men. For I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. That is a word for someone today. I wonder if you have faith in God that it will be exactly as you have been told. If God has spoken it over your life, it will come to pass. No matter what storm comes, no matter what conditions are around us, no matter what comes at us in 2020, the overarching, I've already said this to my children, the overarching theme over this year is not going to be sickness or disease or, or chaos or confusion. No, no, Jesus. Jesus has always been the name that is the banner over our house. I'm not, you're not gonna look back at 2020. The name of Jesus will be above the name of COVID. The name of Jesus will be above the name of, of, of any kind of loss or grief as my kids, like many of your kids, are getting ready. They don't know what's gonna happen at school in the next couple of weeks. We don't know. Our school wrote to us two days ago, we thought we were gonna start on another date. It doesn't look like that's going to happen. Just like many of you, I've got a senior, I've got a freshman. And so I've already said to them though, it is not gonna be a deal in our house because Jesus is still the banner over this house. Whether you start then or then, it really doesn't matter ultimately because Jesus is still here. Jesus is still Lord. Jesus is still on the throne. Jesus is still going to get you through. So you just make a de decision in your home. Who's gonna be the banner over your home? What's going to be the banner over your home? Paul says, oh no, see, I've got this confidence that this God, it's gonna be exactly as I have been told. And some of us as followers of Jesus need to get a little bit of that backbone back. Oh, no, 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 it's, it, it, it's gonna be, if God said it, I, I don't know how. I mean, Paul's saying this in the middle of a storm. I mean, they've been throwing provision overboard. I mean, the storm, the wind, the waves are there. And he says, I'm feeling it all just like you all are, but I need you to know, I have a confidence in my God. I have a confidence in Him. I don't have a confidence in the conditions. I don't even have a confidence in you all. I don't even have a confidence in me, but I do have a confidence in God. I have a confidence in God. And if God said it's gonna happen, then it's going to happen. So He continues. And the Bible says, now here we go. He's just talked about the confidence in God. Verse 26 cracks me up. But we must run aground 
on some island. He's just said, oh, I know God's gonna bring us through. I know there is going, it's, it's gonna be okay. Next verse, but we must run aground. How's your faith when you realise you must run aground? See, a lot of us, we think we just need our faith proofs that we're never gonna run aground. But according to this text, Paul says, no, 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 no. I've got faith in the midst of this, but you need to understand we must run aground. Sometimes to get to where God wants you to go, you're gonna have to run aground. It's never where you thought you were gonna go. You had never planned to go there. You wouldn't have even gone there. If God sent you a memo and said, would you please go to this island on the way to Rome? You'd be like, no, thanks. I don't like that island. I wanna go straight to Rome. So God says, every now and again, you must run aground. You must run aground. Because your greater prayer, my greater prayer, is that we would do the will of God here on earth as it is in heaven. That we would fulfil the purpose for which God has called us. It's just we can't possibly know all of that what it is. I often say to people, I don't know why you would limit God to your dream. (laughs) How small is that? God says, no, no, what I have for you is far greater than anything you could ever imagine. Anything that you could ever imagine. But sometimes to get you to where I want you to be, because you've said to me, you wanna be where I want you to be, you're gonna have to run aground. Some of us in 2020, we've run aground. We've run aground and it's not because we've done something majorly wrong. It's because God's getting ready to use us in a revival unlike anything we have ever seen. But to get to that place, we've got to run aground. He goes on, he says, when the 14th night had come as we were being driven across the Adriatic Sea about midnight, the sailors suspected that they were nearing land. So they took a sounding and found 20 fathoms. A little further on, they took a sounding again and found 15 fathoms and fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, that they had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under pretense of laying out anchors from the bow. Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. So now they're freaking out because they've had the wind and they've had the waves and they've had the storm and now they know they're gonna run aground. So they're measuring, man, how deep is this? The stones are, there's nothing worse than when you know you're gonna run aground and you're looking at the stones. Some of us have been like that. We're looking at, here come the rocks, here come the rocks. And so what we wanna do when the rocks come, our natural carnal inclination is we wanna jump ship. We don't wanna collide with the rocks. And so we wanna jump ship. And Paul's actually saying, saying to them, no, 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 no. Actually, what you don't realise is you're not supposed to jump ship. The only way you are gonna survive this is if you stay on the ship during these hours, during the days that we're in, days of darkness, days of chaos, days of confusion, days of being in a massive storm. There are so many people jumping ship. That is not going to rescue you. Don't jump out on that marriage. Don't jump out on that relationship. Don't jump out from that church. Stay on the ship. Someone tuned in today because you need to hear. You got to stay on the ship. You're like, but Christine, the ship's about to hit the rocks. It's okay. It's okay. Trust in the Lord. Will you trust Him even when you can't trace Him? Will you trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all of your ways? Acknowledge Him. He's going to direct it, He's going to direct your paths. But Paul says there's only one way you're gonna survive. Stay on the ship. Hear me, somebody. In 2020, in this era of everyone jumping ship left, right and centre, stay on the ship. Stay on the ship. He goes on. And Scripture 
says that as day was about to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food. I love that. In the midst of all of this crisis, they're about to hit the rocks. Paul goes, just eat. Some of you, you need to take a chill pill and just eat. Some of you need a little bit of self-care in this season. You've been so intense, so locked into everything that's going on. You just need to chill. God created us body, soul and spirit. Your emotional health, your physical health, it matters. Paul says, have some food. And the Bible goes on and says, therefore I urge you to take some food for it will give you strength for not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. It's a big sign of trust. And when he said these things, he took bread and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. I love this. He gave thanks to God. In the presence of all, he broke bread. Do you realise what a testimony we will be to the world around us, church, while everyone's freaking out? If in the midst of the same storm as everybody else, the same waves, the same wind, the same darkness, the same chaos, the same loss as everybody else, God didn't say, I'm gonna take you out of it. He said, I'll get you through it. If we stop and we just break bread and say, oh, my trust is in Him. Do you know one of the greatest revivals we will see in our generation? So many of us, and I'm a great student of revivals. I mean, I'm an evangelist revivalist. So I promise you, I've read book after book after book after book on all the great awakenings here in America, revivals around the world, revivals in Australia, where I come from, things that have happened, revivals throughout Europe, revivals in Africa, South America. I love revival, but I'm just wondering if the next great revival we're gonna see on the earth is not one that's gonna come from all of us kind of waiting for God to drop out of the sky with this sort of intense feeling, but whether out of us is gonna flow rivers of living water that in a world that's full of chaos, the fruit of the Spirit is exhibited through us that we show joy in the midst of so much brokenness, peace, love, goodness, kindness, gentleness, long-suffering, self-control. I wonder if that's gonna cause a generation to look and go, wow, COVID hit everybody, but those Christians were, just sort of seemed to have a trust in God in the midst of all of it. That economic challenges hit everybody, but those Christians were still so generous. They, they gave in the above and beyond offering. And how does someone do that during a global pandemic? If you don't think that's gonna get the attention of the world, how did they stay in love and unity in the midst of division and chaos? I wonder if that's gonna cause people to go, surely there is a God. Surely whoever it is that they believe in, there's something about those Christians. Paul says he broke bread in the midst of it. I wonder whether we could break bread in the midst of it. The Bible goes on and says, now, when it was day, they did not recognise the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach on which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea. And at the same time, loosening the ropes that tied the rudders, then hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The bow struck and remained immovable. The stern was broken. It goes on, we'll pick it up. Verse 44, a whole bunch jumped overboard. And then it says, and the rest on planks or on pieces of the ship. And so it was, they were all brought safely to land. What a way to finish the chapter. I mean, we've got this, this picture, wind, waves, storms, food overground. The ship now has wrecked. Some of you, that's where you feel. But you know, some of the ships needed to wreck in 2020. I don't know what ship, what relationship, what friendship, what ship needed to wreck. But you had your hope in the ship and God said, no, 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 your hope needed to be in me, not the ship. 
So many of the ways we do things have changed and so many systems and structures and family relationships and things have changed. And God's like, you know what? Maybe you just had too much confidence in the ship. I told you I'd get you there. Don't put all your hope in the ship, put your hope in me. And we get to the end of this chapter and it says, and they were brought to land safely. I wanna remind someone, I love this because in chapter 28 it says, and after we were brought safely through, So they were brought out safely. God says, the thing I want you to remind you from chapter 27, don't spend all your time talking about the storm. Don't spend all your time talking about the wind and the waves and what's got thrown overboard and all the rocks that you hit and the ship was wrecked. I want you to remember that I brought you safely through. We're still here, church. We're here in July, 2020. God has brought us safely through. We step into chapter 28 and we are safely through. God's saying, Have you spent more time talking about the storm and the shipwreck than you have about the fact that I brought you safely through? Oh, you might not have what you started the year with, but I brought you safely through. And the Bible goes on and tells us that they came to Malta. They learned that the island was called Malta. I mean, this is 17 miles long, nine miles wide. It's insignificant in a global scale. 17 miles long, nine miles wide. Paul never would have gone. But it took a storm and a shipwreck to get him where God wanted him to be so that he could see a revival that he had never even asked for on a place that he never even knew existed on his way to where he was called to be. See, some of us, we are somewhere and it is the equivalent of 17 miles long, nine miles wide, whatever it might be. Our living room, our home, our small community, we can't travel like we did. We can't, and we go, what am I doing here? The thing that brought me here was a storm in 2020. The thing that brought me here was a shipwreck in 2020. And God's saying, would you stop complaining about Malta? Because I've got a revival ready for you to have on Malta. But you are lamenting Rome so much and you are looking back at the storm and the shipwreck. You might miss what I've got for you in Malta because you are not yet in Rome. It's time for us, the church, to look at the Malta where we are. Paul's in Malta. The Bible says that he began to collect sticks. He didn't complain, he didn't murmur. Many of us were in July, man, and we're still talking about what didn't happen in March, April, May, June, July. And God's like, could you just serve your way out of this? Stop talking about what you've lost and what didn't happen. I brought you safely through. The Bible says that Paul started to collect sticks to build a fire, 276 people fire, that's a big fire. And as the fire's getting hot, The Scripture says that when Paul had gathered bundle of sticks and put them on a fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened to his hand. Now, this is the best I could do, church, so just bear with me. The Bible says that Paul was building a fire and that fire was getting hot. And the hotter it got, the viper in that part of the world, the commentators think because the wood was wet and the snakes had been in there and then it got hot and then the viper came out and it bit Paul. And Paul could have stood there with the snake going, are you kidding God? I was on my way to Rome to do what you called me to do. I was on my way to Rome in your will and there was a storm. I didn't ask for that. There was a shipwreck. I didn't ask for that. I ended up on an island I didn't even wanna be on. And I started serving. I was serving You, Lord. I was in Your will and now a snake 
has bitten me. And some of us, that's right where we feel right now. You're like, are you kidding me? After all I've been through, Father, and I've stayed faithful. A snake? Because the enemy, he saw that the storm didn't take you out. He saw that the shipwreck didn't take you out. So he thought, if I can't send something against you externally to take you out, I'm gonna get a snake to bite you and get my venom in you to take you out from the inside out. If the storm and the shipwreck won't take you out, the enemy will try to get a snake and let the venom of bitterness, the venom of anger, the venom of divisiveness, the venom of offence, the venom of unforgiveness, the venom of greed, the venom of jealousy, lust, envy, guile. Oh, all different types of venom. And so many have been bitten by the snake and are allowing the venom to take them out of the fight when the shipwreck didn't and when the storm didn't. But the Scripture says that Paul didn't sit there forever with it. The Bible says that what Paul did, so the native people saw him, they thought that he was a murderer because the snake was on him. But the Bible says he, however, this is how calm Paul was. He, however, just shook it off, the Bible says. Just shook it off. May I add a little note? He didn't shake it off on social media. He shook it off into the fire, the Scripture says. Some of us, we got to shake off those snakes that have tried to latch themselves on to take us out, either indifference or apathy or greed or offence or bitterness or anger, whatever it might be, we gotta shake it off. We gotta take that thing off because the snakes will try. The hotter you get for God, the more on fire you get for God, the closer you get to destiny. A snake is gonna try to latch itself onto you to get the venom on the inside of you to take you out. But I've gotta tell you, church, before there was Taylor Swift, there was the Apostle Paul. And so some of us need to learn to shake it off. The thing that's gonna get you through is to shake off that offence, to shake off that hurt, to shake off that bitterness, to shake off that injustice. There comes a time you've got to shake it off. After that, Paul ends up with a, at a dinner with the head of the island, a man by the name of Publius who had a lot of land. His father was ill. And so then Paul was brought to him. The Holy Spirit worked through Paul and healed this man's father. Because of that, he turned everything around on the island of Malta. We read one of the first greatest revivals that happened in Scripture the island of Malta, everybody who was sick was healed and Paul could have missed it if he got offended with the storm, if he got sidetracked with the shipwreck, if he allowed the venom of the snake to take him out. He never would have seen the revival that was waiting to happen right there in Malta. There's a miracle in Malta. There's a revival waiting to happen. And then once the revival was over, he was given a new ship. All the supplies were put on board, everything that they needed, the Scripture says. Paul made his way to Rome where he got to proclaim the Gospel of Jesus under house arrest. And the Bible says he proclaimed the Gospel unhindered. It will come to pass. But the issue is don't miss Malta on the way to Rome. Don't get so focused on the storm and the shipwreck and the snake that you forget to shake it off and instead of seeing revival, you end up stranded on an island that you were only meant to pass through to see revival come to. 
Don't allow this season to be a season where you end up shipwrecked on an island forever instead of on an island where God says, I've got a revival here for you. Man, just shake that thing off. You're gonna see a revival. Then you're gonna get on a ship that's better than the ship that you started the year with. That's gonna have better supplies than the year that when you started. And you're gonna get to your Rome. You're gonna get to your purpose. You're gonna get to your destiny. Just be faithful in Malta on the way to Rome. So church, don't let a storm stop you. Don't let a shipwreck stop you. Don't let a snake bite stop you. Shake it off. Exalt Jesus. He who promised is faithful. In Jesus' Name, in Jesus' Name, in Jesus' Name. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at passioncitychurch.com or download the Passion Movement app. And again, thanks for listening to the Passion City Church DC podcast.